Hey everyone, thanks for joining me. It is Sunday, October 2nd, and we've got some things going on. Actually, we've got some things going on and coming up. So first of all, I want to thank you for accompanying me while we continue our stroll through the strange Paradiso. We're going to have to kind of slow down and take our time right now because we don't want to pass anything by because we're going too fast. We want to slow down and notice everything that's happening around us at this time. You may feel a little different. You may notice things more. Smell things, see things out of the corner of your eye, stuff like that. Even things may start to taste a little differently. All of these are things that are known to happen at this time of year. So before I go any further, I want to first let you all know that on October 15th, my good friend Steffi is going to be back and she's going to be sharing some spooky, okay? I don't use that word all the time, but she's going to be sharing some spooky experiences that she has had and um, some of the things that have happened to her are very, very strange and unforgettable. So we have that to look forward to October 15th. We will be live in the shack. So we're going to actually do a nighttime show. So whenever you listen to it, we will be, I mean, we will have done that show at night. The only thing is that it's, it's too bad that at that time, the full moon will have passed, but um, it's going to be intense anyways. I'm looking forward to doing something as we get closer to the full moon as well as on the full moon. So some of the things I'm saving for that time. All right, so um, I took a break from the whole Amityville subject, as you know, and I just want to do a little bit about that, tell you how I see this whole thing. So um, we know that George Lutz, was waking up every morning at 3.15. They lived in the house for 28 days, and he was waking up that time for the length of time that they were in this house, 3.15, every morning. So he said that he would hear things. He would see things as far as... um like the murders that had taken place there. Then at one time, he actually was paralyzed. He could not move. He could not speak. And he saw an entity in his room at that time. He said that his wife, Kathy, was actually levitated off of the bed. He could not make a move. He could not even utter a single sound. So finally... He was able to make this garbled type of noise. 
And at that moment, he said, I, I could do it. I did it twice. It took everything he had within him to just make this sound so that whatever this was that was causing her to be levitated, that spell was broken. She went down onto the bed and he says that he was, um, well, the word he used, I, I mean, I, I was watching this thing. He was, um, I guess, shocked, uh, kind of scared and surprised at this encounter. So while it sounds like a typical night hag kind of encounter, I personally have never heard of anyone being levitated off their bed because of an encounter with the night hag or anyone who was sleeping next to you being levitated because you were being held down by this particular entity. So we have heard many times that when people levitate, that is one of the signs that these people are um, experiencing a type of possession. Well, in this case, she was not possessed, but something was able to physically manipulate her to raise her off that bed. So I have said before that I, my own belief is that whatever was inhabiting that house was very strong and it was not of a lower level. We're talking about a higher level. So it goes on to say that Lorraine Warren, okay, she was even freaked out by that house and she made a statement that she said, this is as close as I ever want to get to hell. Because the things that she felt in there and the things that were happening. She also made a statement about how that house, whatever was in it, was able to reach out beyond that house and to still like attach itself to the family. She said it was not something that was just right there. So it had some sort of like supernatural tentacles where it could continue to harass this family. So they performed a seance in that house. They had other clairvoyants and medium there and things like that. And uh, there was one of them who was attacked, made her sick and uh, some other things. And she was recalling that experience. I when you talk about seances and things like that, see, I don't understand why, why the Warrens, who were Catholic, very Catholic, and Ed Warren, being a demonologist, why they would do this type of a thing. Because, I mean, well, in that case, just bring in the Ouija board if you're going to do a seance doesn't mean, I mean, you're going to communicate with something, but it doesn't mean that you're communicating with whatever may be in the house or anything good at all. I would not have even been in that room. There was a reporter who was in that room who was uh, there to just report and see if anything was to happen. So, no, I wouldn't have even wanted to be in there. I want nothing to do with anybody using the spirit board or in a seance. 
So, okay, we know that they were there for the 28 days. And after they left, they went to California. They moved to California, okay, the Lutz family. So before that, George Lutz refused to go back into that house. They they had some items in there that they wanted, but he was like, nope, I'm not going in there. My family's not going in there. And so he asked some of his friends. Now, these guys were like, um, I guess like Harley riders. You know, they, they were motorcycle riders and, and stuff like that. So he asked some of his riding buddies if they would go and get some of these items. And he told them, you know what? Don't be hanging out in that house because it's very bad. It's very evil and so on. So he was warning them. So his buddies were like, okay, we'll go get the items for you. And so what happened was these guys go in there and they're like, okay, let's get this stuff. And then they all went and they sat around for a little while and they had a drink. They had a couple of beers and whatever and just kind of like hung out for a short time. Then they were like, there was nothing that anyone felt, nothing that anyone experienced. They were like, okay, oh well, let's get this stuff now and, and go. So they were warned, okay, by George Lutz, who was the owner of the house. And apparently the Lutz family was paying the mortgage on this house, even though they could not live in it. Before they finally said, this is never going to go away. We're just going to give it back to the bank. Because it was pretty hopeless that this was going to ever be a peaceful house where the family could reside. So anyways, um, the friends come out and they were already skeptics. They were already skeptical about the experiences that George had reported. And I mean, it goes back to, um, you have many people out there, many theologians and people who say that the biggest deception that the devil does is to convince you that he does not exist. So just because these guys go in there and nothing happens doesn't mean that there's nothing in that place. Once again, these things know how to conceal themselves, how to hibernate, and so on. Just like anyone who has lived in that house afterwards supposedly has never felt anything, even though, come to find out, this house has been bought and sold many, many times since the Lutz family lived there. Okay, you could look at it as, well, it's been since 1975 or early 76 when they left that place. So, of course, it's going to be bought and sold so many times. Not necessarily. If you look at, on an average, how many times a house has been sold, maybe within 20 years. So you'll be able to get an idea. Okay, so in 40 years, this particular house may have been sold on an average. Now, once again, we are looking at the 1970s. A lot of people back then 
They weren't buying their house, living in it for 10 years or even less, and then moving. Majority of families back then would buy a house and live in it like almost for the rest of their lives. So I don't know how many times it's been bought and sold, and I don't know the circumstances. But if someone told me, okay, well, this house was vacated by the Lutzes in 1976 and now it's been bought and sold like 25 times, that would give me a reason to really think that something is continuing. When you break it down, okay, how many years ago 1976 was and the the thing's been sold, like put on the market 20 times, 25 times. It's like that, that's quite a bit. So the bottom line to all of this, and I know that there are people who said, well, they were trying to make money and they went on these TV shows and they were going to write a book and this and that. They came out, the Lutz family came out and said, we are on this show because a lot of the things that have been written in that book have been embellished. So they wanted to set their record straight. They wanted to tell the truth about the things that did and did not take place. Of course, even in the movie, we're going to go back to that first movie. A lot of that stuff was dramatized for the movie. So that's why they went on some of these talk shows. It's even stated that Ed and Lorraine Warren never asked for money. They never asked for to be compensated. Oh, we need money for this. We need money for that. The only thing that they said when the, I think it was a channel, um, some reporter who contacted the Warrens and um, asked them to come out. She reached out to them. And she states the only thing the Warrens asked for was like money for the price of their gas. That is it. And she was like, that was really something like, sure, you know, that is not a problem. So we can look at it many, many different ways. I truly believe that there was something that went on in that house. George Lutz, him and Kathy, I believe, took a polygraph lie detector test, came out in their favor. They were telling the truth. Well, all that means is that they believe what they're saying. But both of them, if this was a lie, somebody would have failed that test. So I don't believe that this was all some kind of money-making scheme. I believe that they experienced certain things. I believe that somehow, as far as I know, okay, because I don't know what happened before the DeFeos, but somehow... Whatever 
came in, came in from Ronnie DeFeo Jr. He is the one who allowed this thing in. Then the murders took place. Then the other family moves in, knowing what had happened already, wanting to buy the furniture as well as the murder beds that everyone in that family had been murdered in, their own bed, while those beds were still there. So there are many other contributing factors. So by doing that, that's another way of allowing these things to be there. I don't know about the curses by the Indian chief and all those things like that. I have to actually set that theory aside because it just seems like a little too much. This was uh, too, just too intense of a situation. Something would have happened prior. Maybe not as extreme, but something. There would have been something else going on there prior. That was uh, wouldn't be able to be suppressed. So I'm, I'm going to set that theory aside, and I'm just going to go with what happened with the DeFeos, then leading to the Lutzes, them making it, not, not just keeping the furniture. It's like, like they moved in, like I said before, and the furniture was there. No, they made an offer. So that allowed whatever to remain I'm not saying that it made it entirely 100% possible for this thing to remain, but it certainly helped. So it still has this legal right to be there. Then George is the weakest link. It attaches itself to George. That's why he's the one who woke up at 315 not that they were not all attacked, because they all were. They all had experiences. But he is the main one. And also, my personal belief is that he is why, well, he's the biggest reason why this thing was able to just strengthen, almost like a hurricane that just gains strength because he had also previously been involved in the occult. And I don't know to what extent. I'm not sure what it was exactly. But um, that is for us to look into if we are that interested. I don't believe that we will ever really know exactly what happened. Because we can only go by the testimony of the people who were living there. As far as I know, I could be wrong, but as far as I know, none of the children ever wanted to come forward and speak about it, um, ever have let shown their faces and say, oh yeah, I was so-and-so living at that house, I one of the less children, blah, blah, blah. I have never seen that. So perhaps it's because um, people would just rather forget about it and move forward 
continue with their lives without thinking about this situation? Of course. That's probably what the majority of people would try to do. Now, usually, not always okay, but usually there's going to be one at some point. There would be one who's going to come out and say, well, I'm going to tell the story and I'm going to bring this out and I'm going to bust this thing wide open, blah, blah, blah. But so far, there has been nothing like that. So it remains for us to decide how we feel about this, what we believe about this. When it comes to the movies, I wouldn't even look at those movies if I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. If I'm even trying to get as close as I can to what may have actually taken place. I wouldn't even consider the movies. As far as I know, there's been two movies about it. I would start digging on my own. Maybe at some point I will. At this time, um, I think that I'm going to leave it alone. I'm just going to put it down and let it rest for a while unless something else comes up in the future. So if there are anyone has come forward and said anything else that maybe we didn't know about, we were unaware of, okay? But yeah, at this time, I'm just going to, um, I'm not going to say I'm going to put it away and forget about it. I'm just going to set it down. You know, it's still on the table, but we're just going to put it down and continue our walk. So, okay. Now, um, this was actually told to me, and I was, I have to tell you guys, I was really surprised at this. One of the reasons is because this person has never, ever said anything about any type of mysterious incidents, experiences. We just have never spoken about anything like that. So I never have known how this person has felt about this subject, okay? So yesterday, I'm talking to him. And he lives alone He's a widower. His wife passed away a couple of years ago. He lives in this house. And they have had this house for so many years, like maybe about 30 years. So it's not like they just moved in recently or that he just moved in recently. He's retired from the Navy. He has a no-nonsense and very sober approach to everything. He's well-read. He's articulate. And he's a very good person. So he's telling me that he said, you know, since the last time I saw you, I had an incident. And I said, oh, what happened? And he says, I really don't know. He's like, I was uh, just going to sit down on one on the chair and put something on TV he said it was probably about 6 p.m. He said, so I would go to sit down. I get, get something to drink. I go sit down. I put the TV on. 
And the next thing I know, I was waking up. He said, it wasn't like I, I put my, my drink down and I leaned back in the chair and went to sleep. He said, I sat down and the next thing I know, I was opening my eyes. He said, and I was so disoriented. Like, I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what time it was. He's like, I wasn't even sure of who I was. I was like, really? And he said, yes. So the first thing he thought is, he's like, oh, I think I may have had a stroke or maybe I had a heart attack. So he drove himself down to the hospital. So they do some tests and this and that. He's like, either I had a heart attack maybe or a stroke. I don't know. And then he's telling them what happened. So they do these basic type of tests. Well, no, he didn't have a heart attack. He didn't have a stroke. So they tell him, maybe you just had anxiety. And he's just like, okay, all right. He said, because I know that anxiety is not going to make you just wake up and you don't know where you are at. So he's just like, all right, because as long as he didn't have any of those two things, he felt pretty good. Like, okay, everything's fine. So then he goes home and everything's good. And then the next day, this kind of like happens again. He said, except for he wasn't sitting down. He said, now this time he was in his kitchen and he's fixing something to eat. He's putting something in a bowl. And the next thing he knows, he's waking up and he's laying on the couch. And he's like, wait a minute now. This is too weird. Something's going on here. So he went back to the hospital and he told them. He said, this is the second time. There's something wrong here. So they kept him for three days. Three days. Now, they don't keep you in the hospital for nothing. But they admitted him. He said, I was in there for three days. They did every test known to man. He had scans. He had MRIs. He had this. He had that. Blood. Everything. They could not find a thing. You have no circulatory problems. Your heart's good. No sign of heart attack. No stroke. No this, no that. So he's like, hmm. He's like, I I was almost hoping for them to find something. But there's nothing. So he goes home and he's like, feeling a little uh, like out of sorts because he said, I was worried that this is going to happen again. So he goes to sit down on his chair and he looks above where his couch is. Now his couch is where he wound up when he woke up on the second time that he had this incident. And he said... You know those uh, police outlines, those chalk outlines that they do and there's a body laying in the street and they do that chalk outline? I said, yeah. And then he said, well, there was a faint looking chalk outline on my ceiling. 
where right above my couch. He said, but it's very faint. And it's not like a white outline. It looks kind of like a shadow outline. Like maybe somebody had dusted like in charcoal. And I was like, what? And he's like, I'm telling you. And then when he saw that, and then he looked above his chair. He said, don't you know I saw the same darn thing? And then he took a picture of it. And you can see it. It's faint. But you can see the outline. The first one is kind of like, um, you know, when you see the little icons of like a person. It just has like that form. There are no features. It's just like a form, like a head and like shoulders. Well, it kind of looks like that. It's strange. And then the second one kind of looks like a body in a prone position. Like if it's kind of laying down, um, not in a fetal position, but in a semi type of fetal position. Very, very strange. So I'm like, okay, well, what do you think this is? It looks kind of like a shadow, maybe from the windows and it's making the shadow. And he said, yeah, I thought of that. He said, I closed everything up and I turned those lights on and that that's still there. And I'm like, well, what do you think it could be? And he said, well, you know, if I believed in these kind of things, I would say that something pulled me up right through my ceiling and out of my house and maybe dropped me back down again. Okay. Now, once again, I have been acquainted with this person for like, I'm pretty sure it's over 20 years. Never have I heard this type of thing coming from him. I was pretty shocked. I said, you mean like a spacecraft? like an alien abduction. And he's like, yeah, something like that. And the way he looked at me, like he didn't want to come out and say it, but yeah. So the more that I went towards that direction, the more he was like, "Mm mm-hmm. He agreed. And when you stop and think about it, it's like, where else almost can you go? The only thing that's missing is any type of mark on his body, any type of um, bruising, scratching, uh, puncture, wound, anything. So far, as far as I know, there's nothing like that. So what's actually happened to him is anyone's guess but he's been to the hospital twice and that second time like three days my gosh what are they doing to you he said yeah nothing he's like I was all once again he's like I was almost hoping they would find something because how am I going to explain this He's like, what, what do I do? Like, go in there. Yeah, uh, Doc, I think that I may have been abducted by aliens. 
He said, and I have no marks on my body. I've got nothing. He said he felt his feet all the way up to the top of his thigh where by his hip, he said, I've looked. I have looked everywhere. I mean, the only thing that he can't see is in his hair. But I did a check and I didn't see anything in his hair. You know, on on the scalp, anything like that. So it's very perplexing. And uh, we're just going to have to wait and see if anything comes of this. Very mysterious and strange. And if you knew this person, you'd be pretty surprised about this story also. Coming from him, it was just like, whoa. So um, these things are... I know that they happen all the time. Well, I know they happen quite often to people all over the world. But we're just going to have to wait and see at this particular case. So, and he's never had any type of um, experience after his wife passed away. And his wife did pass away in the house. But he's never had any type of um, experiences since she's been gone. And I believe we're going on three years that she has been passed away. So it's not like it just happened really recently or anything like that. Okay. So anyways, um, that is really, I mean, I have, I have a lot more, trust me. But that's really all I've got for today because one of the things is I want to actually save some of the more creepy experiences so that I can present them to you later. And especially when Steffi comes on because we have a way of bouncing things back and forth between each other when it comes to um, these experiences, how we feel about them. And then we also can, you know, we ask each other, what is your opinion about this and, and vice versa? Just like when Victoria comes on or whenever we talk, we always ask each other questions. Like she'll call me out of the clear blue and ask me about certain things, certain situations, and um, she'll send me things that she has seen and so on. So... It's, uh, I know it's becoming more intense for everyone. And I have even within the last, oh, maybe the last 36 hours, I have had some things happen that, well, some things that I have experienced. But I'm saving those so that uh, I can gather as much as I can. Because I want to put it all in a nice, tidy basket so that we can pick these things out one by one and talk about them. I want to do them in a manner that I'm not all over the place. See, because as you know, I have no script. I only make notes once in a while, like when I was doing this Amityville thing. I didn't make any notes for today. 
because this was just my conclusion and my own opinion about certain things. But prior to today, the other ones that I did, I actually had to write things down because there were a few things that I was not aware of. So, yeah, guys, it's... I know that uh, there are places where people have passed. But just because of that, just because someone has passed away in a residence doesn't mean that it's going to be haunted. But these things will take advantage of that because a lot of people believe that automatically. Oh no, the place is going to be haunted. Not necessarily. But when something like murders happen in a house, in a business, I mean, yeah, that kind of changes the dynamics right there. So there is, um, there's a lot to be said about all of this. And I know that um, as, as far as California, I know that these things have to be disclosed. I don't know about other states. I don't know if this is a national thing where all over the United States where this has to be disclosed if someone has died in a house. But I know that in California, they have to tell you. It was strange to me, though, that some of the realtors were not aware that there were actual neighborhoods, like the one I was telling you about, where there were um, tombs in the middle of the neighborhood. I was surprised when I was talking to a realtor and asking her about it. And she was like, what? And I said, yeah, you don't know about it? And she was, you should have seen the look on her face. She was like, no, where is that? And then I told her, and she was like, I'm going to have to go and check this out. She was just shocked. Like, yeah, what do you think about that? But what do you think about those other houses that they built? They actually moved that cemetery out of the way to build an entire neighborhood. Then, I mean, I've told you guys about this before, but... It was costing more and more money every time they had to stop, every time they found remains. So then they were told, I don't care. We don't care what you find. You just keep grading. Don't stop. And I know this for a fact because there's someone who worked there, who witnessed this, is the person who told me. So it was no surprise when people started coming and telling me that certain things were going on in their house. Like the school, the teacher, okay? There was an educator. She was a high school educator. And she came in and she started telling me her children would not sleep in their rooms. Her children were teenagers. She said, um, I'm a high school teacher. My children go to this and that school. We just bought our house. It's brand new. And now they're refusing to sleep in their respective bedrooms. They can't go in their rooms and do their homework. And she was saying, well, why can't you do your homework? And they said, because there are things in my room and they're not letting me. And then the other child, her other teenager came and said kind of like the same story. And they weren't playing. They were serious. And I actually spoke to the children and they were telling me the same thing. They're like, yeah, when we first go to bed at night, everything's fine. But later on, as the night goes on, it just gets to the point where I can't sleep in my room and I end up sleeping on the floor in my parents' room and 
her other sibling said the same thing. They were both ending up in the middle of the night going to sleep in on the floor in their parents' room. Well, at the time that, that this was going on, I wasn't as aware as I am now. I didn't really know how to tell them why I thought this was going. I did tell them, but I didn't know the proper way to say it. So I just blurted it out. And they didn't know. I was like, they didn't tell you. And she said, no. She was like, if, if I would have known that, we wouldn't have bought this house here. And that's the same area, guys, that I was 86 from. They 86 me from this area before they even built the model homes. I told you guys, I went into that little realtor or whatever, that little trailer, and they had the different elevations of the houses, like the drawings on the walls there and what the houses were going to look like and so on. And at this time is when I found out what these houses were going to be built on. And I read it. I read about this in an actual journal from a neighboring county. So this is not theory. That's how I found out about it. I just started doing research. One of my friends had made a few remarks and then I went to go look for myself. And the more I read, the more I found out, it gave the air because at this time there were no houses there. It wasn't built up at all. So it gave like these areas. And then I had to go and ask someone who knows how to read a map and so on. And they pointed me to where this location actually was. I went over there. That's when I went into the trailer. And there was another couple in there who were looking at these elevations. And I was kind of angry. So I, and this was going to be an addition, okay, to the neighborhood that was already built where these people lived, this um, high school teacher and her children, okay? So they had already built on some of this cemetery. So they were going to be bringing it out now. So it was an additional area that they were starting to grade. And I went in there and I was pretty upset because obviously they weren't telling anyone. And so the woman comes out and she's going to give me some paperwork, you know, of the houses and tell me about them. And I said, I just have a question. She said, oh, okay, well, um, how can I help you? And I said, well, I just want to know when it's disclosed that these houses are built on an old Native American cemetery. And her eyes got all big and she was like, oh, and she put her hands up like, oh my gosh. And then there was a man sitting in this other office and I could see him plainly because he was like behind a window and he looked up at me and I saw him stand up. So I knew that he was going to come and confront me. So I just had to get it out. I said, yes, I just want to know because if I'm interested in buying a house here, like were they planning on ever telling me? So do they tell you before? you go into escrow or during escrow, like when is this disclosed? So he comes out and he's going to get me by my elbow, okay? So I had to move my arm out of the way and he's like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And I said, well, I just want to know. 
when prospective buyers are told that these neighborhoods are being built on top of an actual Native American cemetery. And then he just got all like huffy puffy. And oh yeah, and so then I just, they threw me out, okay? So I was walking out and then that couple who had been in there, I saw them from the corner of my eye. They were a little bit older. They were probably in their early 50s, you know, at the time. And um, they were calling me miss miss and so i turned around and the woman she she is like did i hear you say that this neighborhood is going to be built on top of an old cemetery i said yes and i said you don't have to believe me and i told her where she could find the information and then she looked at her husband and they just shook their heads and she was like thank you she was like i'm i'm glad that you were here and then they walked and they got into their car and I remember everything about that location, even the part where it was so new. That trailer was on an area that wasn't even a parking lot yet. Because when I came out and walked, I was walking like on little pebbles. Every once in a while, I go by there and I just wonder, what is happening in this location? Is there anything going on here? I know that there's a high turnover of these houses being sold. At any given time, I can go there, and there are plenty of these houses that seem to always be on the market. So, yes, I was a little bit angry. Just, number one, that they could do something like this because it's a bunch of greed, money, and they're not telling the people. Well, of course not. They're not going to tell the people because they're going to, a lot of people are going to say no thanks. So things like this are what allows a lot of this stuff to happen, okay? Because this is done out of greed. Now, that is a negative. There are many people who can feel certain things. And they're wondering why. Why does this place feel off? Why do I feel different here? Why are these things happening, certain things and so on? They may not be able to put their finger on it, but there's something that they feel that is off. And yet they've never been told what their brand new beautiful house is built on top of. And uh, there are many people out there who that would be the last thing that they would be thinking of. Unless there's somebody in the neighborhood who would come out and say, hey, do you know that this place used to be a cemetery? Because it seems like there's always someone who finds out. The only part about that, okay, these days is that a lot of neighbors these days do not know each other. Even though you may have lived in your house for 10 years, you may not know your next door neighbor. So that's why there is so much information out there that doesn't get passed along. We're back in the 80s even, even like in the early 90s, people were outside more. People knew their neighbors. If something had happened in an area in your neighborhood, someone was going to tell you, you were going to find out. 
But nowadays, so many people don't venture out. People don't talk to one another. So that's one of the reasons why a lot of this stuff is not known. Or you may know about it, you know, like there may be someone in your neighborhood who knows about it, but just doesn't say anything because they don't talk to anyone in the neighborhood. So, but yeah, well, I mean, greed, the reason that those houses are there is a negative And energies attract their own. So, one of these days I'm going to go over there and see if there's anyone around that I can speak to. See if, um, just what's going on over there. Anyways, that's all I've got for today, guys. I'm going to try to be back tomorrow and uh, get into some current events. All right, and uh, I'm going to look at some of these Later on this evening, I want to thank you once again for joining me on our walk through the strange Paradiso. I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy telling you these things. And every once in a while, maybe there are some keywords or something that you'll hear that'll spark an interest And you can continue going further with a certain subject. And then you can share that. And um, many of you could probably tell the story way better than I can. Some people just have a gift of being able to tell certain things. I'm not one of them. I do the best I can. But sparking that interest in certain subjects, whatever that you find that is something that you like, right? That's what my goal is, at least. Put that out there and get you thinking about it. You can share with others. Once again, I want to thank you all. Have a great Sunday. I'll be talking to you hopefully tomorrow. Ciao.